Okay, so this is part two to the narcissist being uh, interested in the control rather than the connection. So, you know, I was just talking about how sometimes there could be a risk of mental instability or mental impairments due to trying to figure out the crazy making in the narcissist relationship. Well, the narcissist is interested in control. Therefore, they tend to come from the mental rather than the heart. When they're dealing with other people who tend to come from the heart because they're interested in the connection rather than control, well, he or she may try to figure out or attempt to figure out the crazy making, which is designed, right, to do what it says, to crazy make. It's designed to throw people off balance. So when others who are involved with the narcissist attempt to uh, figure out the narcissist or their crazy making, rather, right, they can be at risk of experiencing some sort of uh, mental instability because, see, they don't have an issue with the emotions. Just think about it. A lot of us who are involved with the, it, well, we are involved in a narcissist relationship, right? Well, we want the connection. We're not really into into the control. Now, to a certain extent, everybody, of course, they're going to want to be in control, mainly of themselves. But see, that's the key. Instead of attempting to control someone else, a person has to first practice emotional discipline. That's one of the tools. I don't want to get ahead, but when a person chooses to control self rather than anyone else, well, they're well on their way to being able to what? Maintain their sanity. So, you know, narcissists and some cluster B personality types, they tend to have poor to no communication, which leads to them having a major conflict within themselves. Some of them desire love, but hey, they don't know how to love others. They're not willing to learn how to love anyone else or be loved by anyone else. See, they're about the control, not the connection. So that goes right out the window. Learning how to love somebody? What? <laughs> no, they, they're not interested in that. So control and dominance, right, in order to maintain their false self-images, seem to be top priority, as I was mentioning in the first part of this episode. So, you know, they are often expecting others to do the impossible, regardless of, you know, your tireless efforts. You're walking on eggshells. You're bending over backwards. You may be even jumping through fiery hoops in order to please the narcissist to no avail. It's not working. Nothing seems to work. That dance of change and control that I was talking about. Right? So, you know, eventually it's going to take its toll on the mind. This is why I say people who are dealing with narcissists and narcissist relationship, they are at risk. Their overall health is compromised. This includes their mental health. Now, another thing I mentioned earlier in the podcast, mental health is very important. See, we can't control what's going on inside. We can't control everything that's external. So this is why I say, when you're going through all of these things, trying to please the narcissist, you're engaging that dance of, of, of change and control. 
sometimes it's going to start taking its toll on the, on the mind, the body, the heart. Because, see, you're trying to do something that's impossible. The narcissist often has unrealistic expectations of everyone that they deal with. Because they are about the control, not the connection. See, this is another thing that's a sleight of hand. But, see, it's not very apparent. A lot of people miss this one. I did, too. And that is the narcissist when they're engaging all of these shenanigans and they're pulling all of these diabolical tactics to obtain a source of supply. Therefore, they're trying to obtain control. The way they do relationships to tie all of that up or to sum all of that up, when we start looking at how the narcissist does relationships, how they relate to others, we start to see how problematic it really is. It's crazy making. When you're trying to fulfill the imaginary contract, the terms of it, see, again, doing the impossible. It's an unrealistic expectation for a narcissist to have of anyone, but they often have this because they are trying to, what, control. They don't want the connection. Even if they... You know, uh, somewhere deep down inside, right? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, and some narcissists or some cluster personality types, I'll put it like that, they may want the connection. But again, the way a person does the relationship can sometimes proven, be proven to be problematic. So, with all of the crazy making, you may begin to wonder how to maintain your sanity. Once again, running the risk of being driven up the wall, (laughs) trying to figure out. See, that's where the mental comes in, the mind, not the heart. Trying to figure out why the narcissist or how is it that the narcissist is not connecting. There's nothing wrong with doing research and becoming educational, okay, Or, or learning more about or becoming familiar or knowledgeable about how the narcissist does certain things. Because sometimes with the narcissist, I'm going to say many times, with the narcissist, it's not about the why. It's about the how. Because, you know, first thing, sometimes we want to ask the narcissist, why do you, you know, why did you do that? Or, you know, why did you break my heart? Or why did you, why did you do A, B, and C? Well, that gives the narcissist a little bit more elbow room to come up with more to lie about. To manipulate more, which goes right back to them trying to what? Control the situation. But when you start to ask the question, how did the narcissists do what they do? Or how is it that they did? Well, then we're talking about a whole new ball game, which you can win. You can checkmate. So when you start asking the narcissist how rather than why, you're less likely to experience a stalemate in the chess game. Okay? Because, you see, now you're asking the questions. Instead of asking the question of why they do what they do, which is going to more than likely influence more lies being told. You're not responsible for them choosing it, but I'm just saying this is going to give them that opportunity to make excuses for why they had to do what they had to do. They felt like they had to do. Because earlier in the episode, I mentioned how narcissists, they tend to go through that. They're, they're, you know, they'll sit up there and they'll make excuses. And then they'll try to convince you by gaslighting you into believing that they had to choose what they chose that kept you in a bind. That perhaps caused you some grievances. 
but they'll they'll try to convince you why. See, there it is. Why? Why did they ha- why did they do what they did? Why did they choose what they chose? Why did they, you know, perhaps if this is a romantic situation, why did they dump you or go to somebody else or why did they have new supply? See, strike the why and bring in the how. How did they bring in the new supply? How is it that they left the relationship with you to start a new one? How is it that they chose what they chose, which was a poor choice because it left you in a bind? How is it that they perhaps made decisions which would have them gaining at your expense? How do they do these things? Not why. Because see, as I stated, you know, that why can have them coming up with all kinds of excuses. And again, this is not your fault, but it's all about the narcissist reflecting the behavior pattern that they're about the control, not the connection. And all of this prevents intimacy. It prevents connection anyway, when the narcissist is pulling all of these shenanigans. Because then you're over there perhaps wondering about how to maintain your sanity. See, your heart is not the issue. You, you know how to feel joy, or you do, you feel joy, gratitude, love, these things. The narcissist, you know, you, you're interested in the connection. The narcissist is, is on the opposite side of that spectrum. The spectrum is a narcissist relationship. So they're about the control. You're about the connection, perhaps. Therefore, instant conflict right there. Instant conflict, which can drive people up the wall as the saying goes, when they're trying to figure out why the person is doing what they're doing. But when we start looking at how, okay, then, you know, a person can maintain their sanity, perhaps, right? <laughs> okay, or have less risk of, of ending up with a, a diagnosis of mental instability or, or mental illness or mental impairments. So, uh, you know, well, you know, the narcissist. So how, how do you maintain your, before I get to that, I don't want to jump around, right? <laughs> but how, you know, you're trying to wonder or you're wondering how to maintain your sanity. Well, you're going to have to learn how to communicate just a little bit better. Not saying that you, you, you're terrible at this, but when you're dealing with the narcissist, sometimes you have to be crystal clear and straight to the point. Because sometimes we get involved with narcissists and the narcissist relationship and we don't want to hurt feelings. We don't want to step on toes. But yet we're walking on eggshells. We're tiptoeing. We're apologizing for who we are, what we feel, our needs. See? And we're starting to disappear in that relationship because we're not being vocal. We're not expressing what we're experiencing. And then before you know it, you're having an identity crisis. See, that's what the narcissist prefers because then it appears like they're in control. They're dominating the relationship because the other person involved or the other people involved, they're fading away. They're drowning in the relationship. You see how that works? But very, very often, the subtle signs of codependency are there in a narcissist relationship because other people, while they're trying to maintain their sanity, or trying to figure out how they're going to maintain their sanity. The other thing that they're often doing because they want the connection with the narcissist is that they are fixing, rescuing, and saving the narcissist, if not the narcissist relationship. 
they're trying to fix the relationship, save the relationship. They feel like they got to do some damage control or they're trying to rescue, repair, reconciliation. The, prere- the prerequisite or the thing that has to come before, let me say that correctly, let me go back over that word, the prerequisite <laughs> of a reconciliation, right, is atonement. But narcissists, especially a narcissist, they like to gloss over the atonement part. They, they skip over that because what does atonement entail? Everybody taking responsibility for how they show up in the relationship, for what they do in the relationship, for how they feel, what they think, the choices they make. They, they're taking full responsibility for how they're doing that relationship. And a lot of us know who have been in narcissist relationship, the narcissist ain't going to do that one. Okay, they just ain't going to do it. Right. So they're not going to take responsibility. They're not going to hold themselves accountable. So therefore, atonement cannot be had. So realistically, reconciliation shouldn't even be considered. The narcissist is about control, not the connection. That's another thing that has to happen. Connection in order to reconcile. A person automatically goes right into the connection with another person so this is often why narcissists they will apologize okay and and they may they may pretend they may pretend to express an authentic emotion that's where the histrionic personality comes in which is one of the cluster b personality types they're pretending to express emotions they don't feel any emotions they have an emotional issue they have a personality problem. But see, you're the one, perhaps, who is interested in the connection. Therefore, your emotional state is probably a lot better, in better shape than the narcissist. The narcissist lacks empathy. They often show signs of interpersonal impairments or interpersonal skills that are impaired or chronically impaired. But you don't have an issue with that. You see where I'm going with this? When you're coming from the heart and the narcissist is coming from the head, it can cause conflict. It's part of the crazy making, especially when there's a lack of communication in the relationship, which in a narcissist relationship, it often is. So when we start to disappear in a narcissist relationship, right, this can, this can be problematic as well. So you're going to, you know, perhaps you're going to have to learn how to come a little bit more vocal, gain some confidence, you know, take the steps to do so. And when you're experiencing these things in a narcissist relationship, it's very important to express what you have experienced because one way or another, it's going to come out. The narcissist is busy with the crazy making. And when we go in, when we start to, to, to go into that, with the narcissist, which, in other words, what are we going? What are we doing? We're trying to exp- we're trying to figure out the crazy making, which is impossible, right? Trying to figure it out, and that's really not the best thing to do, right? <laughs> so, gaslighting techniques can influence you to fear not only what's on your mind and your narcissist's mind. But what's not being said? See, that goes back to that poor communication, which can keep the narcissist, believe it or not, in control and dominating that relationship. 
because the other person, perhaps, you know, perhaps you have felt imbalanced. You know, you you felt like you were uh, floating around in a relationship. You don't really know where you stand with a narcissist, if at all. That feeling of not knowing is crazy making. There's not a bottom line. There's never a clear bottom line with a narcissist. You might currently be afraid of what could be said in the heat of the argument, especially when alcohol is being consumed, substances are being consumed. I mentioned how narcissistic personality and alcoholic traits can be very similar. Okay, so you might become afraid of what might be said in the heat of the moment, in the heat, right in the middle of an argument. They may have said if your narcissist tends to, you know, uh, drink a little bit, they may say something that is very hurtful. They may even trigger you. So, you know, you, you start avoiding the conflict. You start avoiding this or the argument altogether. And this, again, this goes right back to you drowning or fading into the background of the relationship. Why? Because now you're not being vocal. Now you have, you're reflecting an identity crisis or having one. And the narcissist prefers that. It keeps them in control. So living in fear is reflective of possibly choosing to live a lie just to keep the peace with the narcissist. Okay? Just to keep that peace in that relationship because what? You want the connection. You're not really interested in trying to control. You want the connection, perhaps. And they want, the narcissist wants the control. They don't care about the connection. So some things are better left unsaid, right? Well, not always. Expressing what one has experienced is is probably healthier. Some people are afraid they're going to lose that narcissist relationship because they're accustomed to it. They're familiar with it. We're all, you know, we, we tend to stick with what's familiar. So if things are being left unsaid or, or you know, you may feel that it's better left unsaid, you know, it can, it can more than likely prove to be, you know, not the thing to do because it may blow up anyway, right? So suffering in silence is not a good game changer, right? It can be a stalemate. That's how that stalemate can happen in the chess game of a narcissist relationship. The the narcissist likes to be in control. They like to see signs of that control because it matches the psychological narrative that they have told themselves going right to how they create false images of everyone that they interact with in order to tolerate them long enough to obtain the source supply. They can't know who you are. They they can't afford that because they cannot afford not to be in control. See, once, if they engage, if they invest in a relationship with people, whereas they are connecting with people, the narcissist then feels like they're going to be the one drowning or fading or losing control in that relationship and they can't afford that. That's a nightmare. I'm gonna tell you one of the one of the one of the worst nightmares that a narcissist has is when they start operating or functioning from the heart rather than the head, and vice versa with you. If you start functioning from the head more so than the heart, then they can't control you. Their conclusion may be that, oh my gosh, I can't control this person anymore. Therefore, I'm not gonna get the supply that I want. But once 
the narcissist starts to see traces that they can control, then they're, you notice how they're more calm? They become more calm. They become uh, almost peaceful when they go you into an argument because at that time you are showing signs of being out of control or you're not controlling your own emotions. So in other words, you're in your feelings and the narcissist is in control. How does that work? It doesn't work so well for you, but it may work for the narcissist because they are now in control. You're in your feelings and they're in control. So when, in other words, how does that look? They go to into an argument and then you become reactionary. That's how that work, that looks. So some of us have done it. Don't beat yourself up. I'm just pointing out how the narcissist is about the control, not the connection. So, you know, anyway, when there's a lack of communication, there are a few things that stem from it, such as indifference, resistance, defensiveness, verbal abuse, or misuse, right? Silent treatments, sounding familiar to anyone? (laughs) Yeah, making excuses, avoidance, mind games, shaming, projecting shame. Narcissists often project what they don't like onto others, which is another reason why they create false images of others. They tell themselves and you and others who they say you are. You notice how narcissists do that? Okay, the smear campaigning comes to mind when I just said that. So all of that is a reflective, that's reflective of a lack of communication in the relationship, which which keeps the narcissist in control. So narcissistic traits are notorious for showing signs of one who characterizes or who character assassinates other people. Okay, so yes, they want to use silent treatment as a punishment. If you start showing signs that you're outgrowing the relationship, perhaps because you're becoming a little bit more vocal, oh yeah, the narcissist will perhaps sometimes see that as an opportunity to, what, punish, trying to get you back in line. So silent treatments, they're giving out. They're giving out a lot of silent treatments in order to control, to maintain control. So the narcissist is about control, not connection. And, you know, when we are starting to try and figure out the narcissist, in other words, we are moving from heart to head, sometimes that can be a risk of the narcissist being able to drive a person up the wall. So tool number one, one of the best things to do, right? In order to manage your... Well, okay, let me let me start over with the tools. Tool number one. <laughs> Tool number one. You know what? In this episode, I'm going to do something a little different. So before I even get to the tools, let me ask you a few critical questions. Critical question number one. Can you recall the last time you experienced the narcissistic rage from the narcissist? Or from your narcissist? Can you recall that time? And I'm this is not an attempt to try to trigger you. No, I'm making a point here. Can you recall the last time you experienced the narcissistic rage? Because I want you to start looking at what happened. And this is to help you to stay focused on thriving forward. So what do you think about what happened? This is the narcissistic rage tactic. How did it make you feel? What do you think about them doing that? 
See, now we're starting to talk about the how, not the why. You see? So when you're, instead of you asking yourself, why would they rage? You're starting to look at that they do rage. What happens just before they rage? See, this puts you on solid ground. This helps you to exercise or to practice emotional discipline. You're not in your feelings now. You're critically thinking about what's going on. You see how beautifully that works? It's amazing, right? So now you're not in your feelings and the narcissist is not in control. How about that? See, now you're asking the question, how, not why? So when they go into the rage tactics, this is what I want you to look at. What what happens just before that happens? What's going on? See, now you're looking at this like a scientist. You're starting to study this now. Because this is what's going to help you to successfully and effectively continue to thrive forward. You're already outgrowing the narcissist relationship. This is why these things that happen are very uncomfortable. At first, some of it was kind of cute. At first, some of it didn't really, you know, it was glossed over, right? But now, it's like, no, this is, you know, this can't keep going on. So how does the narcissistic rage make you feel? But not only that, what goes on just before that happens? There's always a pattern, folks. I'm telling you from experience. There's always certain things that tends to trigger that narcissistic rage. So these answers, once you answer those questions, it might reveal that there has been clues pointing to the narcissistic rage. But not only that, if especially if they're drinking. So once you answer that question, it's going to help you to have some clarity about certain things, such as it might reveal that there were clues to your narcissist having alcoholic problems or having problems with alcohol or drinking in the first place. Just an example. Okay, so critical question number two. Does the narcissist, okay, seem to speak of alcohol or substances frequently, taking up most of the conversation? surrounding various types of alcoholic beverages. Again, another clue that your narcissist may have co-occurring issues. So in other words, they may have a certain issue that you thought that they had, or perhaps they didn't have that issue. Because in earlier in the episode, I mentioned how some people have become devastated. They have become um, just, you know, it was just traumatic perhaps when they found out that their narcissist, either they also had a drinking issue or a substance abuse issue, or they did not have it, they did not have these things at all. They found out that they were dealing with a narcissist the whole time. This person may have, thought, may perhaps you had this experience for many years or for a long time, you thought you were dealing with someone who had narcissistic personality, but perhaps they didn't have narcissistic personality, but they were a person who was drink or drinker, or maybe they were uh, a substance abuser, or maybe it's the other way around. For many years, you thought you were dealing with someone who has substance abuse or alcoholic issues only, but you, now you found out they have a cluster B personality type, such as a histrionic or uh, a borderline, Okay, so it's very, it's, it's just it's, a lot of people have been blindsided by this. Okay, so, uh, you know, have you 
have you noticed this? This is what the second critical question is about. Have you noticed them talking about substances and alcoholic beverages a lot? And it seems to always creep into the conversation. They may have memorabilia up on their social media page or whatever. It's all over the place. They're doing this a lot. So do they seem to be consumed by substances, you know, or use of substances and alcoholic beverages as if this is a hobby that they have rather than actually being a habit that they perhaps may need, you know, help with. Okay, so now let's get with the tools. Tool number one, manage your expectations. Okay, this can be a lifesaver, by the way. Tool number two, practice personal boundaries. Not so you can have walls up and be guarded and not connect with anyone, but actually to do the opposite. Because once you connect with self, having a great relationship with self, naturally you're going to be able to connect with others. And not only that, you'll be able to see the signs of narcissistic relationships and it won't appeal to you as much then you'll tend to stay out of it and you won't be a narcissist magnet as some people put it right (laughs) okay so tool number three consider incorporating a healthier lifestyle that can be anything from drinking a little bit more water to maybe having an exercise routine to going out into nature once a person realizes that their overall their overall health especially their mental health is very important. They're going to start doing these things. So consider, consider incorporating a healthier lifestyle. It can actually be a game changer. I'm Cassandra. I certainly hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please join me on the Luminous Star channel on YouTube. Until next time, take care and stay tuned for more episodes. Mwah.